0: Welcome to the latest episode of rusted junk which is not with amanda as you can see but we uh we will introduce this uh, fine fellow in a moment um and i will tell you that we are doing the 1985 dare i say it no i'm not going to say classic i don't think it's a classic but i do think it's a it's a film worth covering obviously but anyway real genius 1985 starring val kilmer Uh, William Averton, John Grease, and loads of others, which I'm sure you'll love. Here's the trailer. Any problems done? Just as long as we have a working weapon by the end of June. I haven't had a working weapon since Korea. (laughs) When the military runs short on brains, they go hunting Pacific Tech. An exclusive institution for outstanding intellects. Where the superstar of smarts is Chris Knight.
1: You have a jacuzzi? Absolutely.
0: His hobbies violate the laws of gravity.
1: What are you doing out there? Floating, sir?
0: His homework could win a Nobel Prize. Uh of the ten finest minds in the country. And his IQ is higher than most people can count. I
1: can't stand it. Have you ever seen a body like this before in your life? She happens to be my daughter. Oh, well, then I
0: guess you have. But when Chris makes the scientific discovery of the century... You did it. ...his classmates want the credit. You're not number one one around here anymore. His professor wants the publicity. I... And the military wants to use his discovery as the ultimate weapon. This is not good. So Chris is about to turn getting even into a science. And show them. Roger, open Bombay doors. They should never try to outsmart. A real genius. Real genius. We are joined. Well, you would have heard him, you wouldn't have seen him, but you would have heard him. Um eloquently take a part or and praise Mike Marron Street on a previous podcast. And I am delighted to welcome him in person. Um uh, is, it, is it? street names, or how, what are we do with this? Is it? I,
1: I'm Dom. Oh, Dom. <laughs> right, good, okay. good, good to be back, everybody, and thank you for thank you for having me on the the pod, Charlie. It's a pleasure to be here. I thought after we established me last time as the horror guy, um, yeah, you'd <laughs> yeah. get me to come along and do a comedy, if that's what we call it. Uh, yeah. So su- somewhat surprising that, that, that yeah we thought okay let's do horror, let's do
0: horror, let's do horror. Yeah, let's do real genies. I am um, Amanda Woodhead, as you can see, in and uh, um, I can't change it because I'm signed in on her account. Um, we usually sort all this magic out beforehand, but here's me last minute um, doing all of that. But yes, um, so yes, real genius. As ever, I'm going to ask you to go, I, I will go last. Marks out of 10, what did you think about it?
1: Well, this is why I'm worried that this may be the last time that you invite me on. The call. Oh no,
0: no. I'm giving it a
1: three out of ten.
0: Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm not sure. Let me can we proceed? Can we uh, can we carry on? Um three. I'm
1: I'm, wow. hop- I'm hoping that it's one of those um those good discussions though, where there, there may be a difference of opinion if we're just nodding, sitting here nodding and agreeing
0: with each other where's
1: the uh, where's the <laughs> in that to?
0: that's great fun <laughs> that's that's. Uh, but no uh, actually well this is the whole thing about the podcast is that you know this is why we don't invite special guests on very often <laughs> but no I think three. Uh, do you know what I, I'll be honest with you I could I could see why and I'll, t- and I'll tell you why before I give my score I'll have to give you Amanda's score Because despite the fact that she went, I'm not watching that, it was on and it just started, and she went, Oh, okay, well, I'll watch it. And I'm like, Okay, are you sure? And she went, Yeah. And I thought she'd give it three. I thought three or four, that's what she was gonna give. And in the end, at the end of it, I turned to her and said, Well, you can't give me a score because you're not gonna be on the podcast. Six and a half. Now. This is somebody that gave four, or
1: possibly even three, to Back to School. Yeah, I mean, um, I did feel for you in that part. I think Back to School is definitely a, uh, well, it's above a six and a half. I'd be putting Back to School up there, um, yeah, as the film that Real Genius could have been, perhaps, or, you know, a more enjoyable version of of Real Genius, in a way,
0: yeah. So it's, it's fantastic to have you on as a guest but if you're, to sub, if you're going to sub for Amanda, you don't need to give her the scores that I thought she might have given. <laughs> so, so do you know what? Strap in, ladies and gentlemen, um, if I'm allowed to say that anymore, because I think Disney's banned that now. You're not allowed to say, ladies and gentlemen, pro, whichever pronouns you, 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 would, uh, you would like on that particular one, I would say strap in, because I think it's going to be a good session where we're going to... I'm going to... Well, I don't know where to go with my score. Because I'm just, I'm just going to have to come out, and I'm going to be able to justify this. And please leave if, if you, if you feel that this is going to be too, too, uh, too hard a stretch between the two. I'm going to have to give it an eight. And and I know, <laughs> and, and this is the beauty of doing the video, is that like last week, uh, like, like last time, uh, where Amy joined, you could physically see the look on her face <laughs> with with the abject horror. Of when I said, Oh, I'll tell her, uh, Should we talk about your boyfriends like that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, so, so, so clearly we disagree on the scores, we but did. what I'm interested in the first question that jumps out at me is okay, how, how this is the first time I've ever seen the film, yeah? Right. So I didn't watch it first time around, and I haven't,
0: well, whatever, haven't heard of it when I sent it to you. I haven't
1: heard of it, no, it didn't, didn't ring a bell. And um, and yeah, first of all, I've seen it, so I watched it fresh, you know. Yeah, I, I guess it's a slightly different experience when you've watched it once perhaps multiple occasions in in the past uh, how, how, how often have you seen it before and when did you last revisit it before this
0: uh i probably watched this 2019 okay um when it when it came out in the 80s i probably wore the bhS out i just you know this is uh, this is the thing I have with um amanda when she's on and she goes did you do anything in the 80s apart from just watch films? Because all the films that you watched and all the times that you rewatch films, and I go, well, do you know what? You know, when you're at um, when you're at public school, <laughs> when you're at, uh, and then you're just home and you do your homework, and it's like, you know, nobody in the village, you don't know anybody. It's so easy to watch films over and over again. So yes, real genius was was definitely one of those. Um, no, no, no judgment from me. Um, you know, I well, well that may be coming. I mean, it may be coming, and 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 this is it. As as you know from you being a yeah, very loyal and regular listener, um, the, the equal equal loyal and regular listeners will know that yep, yeah, it can get quite um, you know uh, great discussions can be had and maybe I may drop down and maybe you might come up unlikely I think in that case but um, why three what what, did, what did, I mean I know we'll get into the body of the film but I mean I I, I can justify more my eight. Sure.
1: Oh, okay. let, 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 let me... I'll start with the negatives and then end on a... On a OK. More, yeah, so I thought, I thought the key negatives were... I thought the lack of budget really showed, yeah? I thought <laughs> uh, I thought it was a bit threadbare in places. I would say... I would say it was pretty poorly written. Um <laughs> It could do with a few more likeable characters, I thought. And... What? And, and the characterization you know, was a little bit like being hit with a sledgehammer. And we'll talk, we'll talk about. Okay. Okay. But I think the number one negative for me was Val Kilmer's character. And one thing that we can discuss later is to what extent is that Val Kilmer, the actor or the character, which he's given to portray in this film? Cause, um, you know, I was gra- I was grappling with that as I was watching. It. So some some fairly material weaknesses there in my in my right. life. The positives, though, you know, the, the st-
0: positives that they bring it up to a three <laughs> are, are as follows. <laughs> yeah, so if we're at zero. uh what is it? <laughs> I think
1: um, I think it improves in the second half. Uh, I think I think William Atherton is uh, you know is good in it, and he's the yeah, main player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. good actor, enjoyable. It is really evocative of the eighties. You know, you, there's no doubt what decade you're in as you're watching this kind of mid '80s film, and and that's you know a happier, more carefree time, perhaps. Yeah. The threat of nuclear war existed, but you know, still relatively careful. <laughs> how 2021's felt so far, and um, you, you got to love a montage, couple of, couple of good old montages in the, in the film, which I enjoyed. Yeah, and, and anything that ends with tears for fears, everybody wants to rule the world, is you know get get. Guess half a point for that alone.
0: Uh, as, as oh, you, right. So you weren't... because I, I was thinking those points might add up, but you were dealing in half points, not points. <laughs> oh, All right, okay. That's okay. That's, okay. I, I get that. Um, uh, eight out of ten because Val Kilmer. Uh, I just, I, I, I love Val Kilmer. Uh, is this do I, would I watch this as opposed to Top Gun? Yes, would I watch this as opposed to Top Secret? No, because Top Secret is the better film. Um, would I watch this do instead of Batman forever um yeah sorry Joe I know I've just spoken to you before I started recording this but Michael Keaton's my Batman so uh but we'll get into that um because obviously there are other performances that they have while we're talking about that I would do you know what I would justify my eight as we go along let's go into roll call and let's let's get roll call done because there are a few. Not surprises in there, but there's a little test for Dom coming up that he doesn't know anything about. Um, so yeah, okay, let's do roll call. Roll call. So let's let's start with the man. Let's start with Val Kilmer. Um, I have mentioned Top Secret. I mentioned Top Gun. There's no more, There's no other films to top in. So that's not going to be a. It's not going to be a trick question. Um, any any. Before I go through the films that I picked out, are there any standout moments since Real Genius that, that you've gone, actually, I really enjoyed that? Or,
1: Well, I think, I don't want to get, you know, it's going to feel like we're getting bogged down in, some, in a bit of a tangent straight away, but I think Val Kilmer's kind of performance and character and acting ability, or lack of potentially, is kind of central to this film, whether you enjoy it. Or not right. whether you're going to go with him, and I, and as I said in the um, when I was giving my scores, I wasn't sure to what extent I found him unlikable and uh, as as a character, and I wasn't sure to what extent that was him or the way that it was written for him. So when I was doing a bit of prep for this, um, and I looked at his his roll call, his his list of films, and I, and I was going through them, I thought. He's, he's been in some good films, and he's been in some not so good films. A lot of, a lot of actors have that uh, track yeah. record, but has he ever really been good in a film? Um, yeah, because you know his, his early days. he, he, he peaked in the in the eighties, I think. Uh, you know, he's a, an eighties early nineties actor. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, okay, okay. Well, early,
0: yeah, uh, fine. Okay, early nineties up until nineteen ninety five. Yeah.
1: He's worked with some great directors, Oliver Stone, Terence Malick, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. But right. He's always been in, to use a Charlesism, he's a bit of a pointless answer for some of those directors. He's in none of their top five films and is actually in some of their more obscure, <laughs> less successful, slight box office failures is <laughs> where he spends his time. And, um, and where he's, you know, prominent in a film such as Top Gun or Batman.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, he's he's not what you remember, particularly. Maybe, maybe Top Gun's the exception, but uh, I'm looking at his <coughs> his list of films here. I'm thinking Batman Forever. Yeah. They took over from Michael Keaton. Did he? Did he really surpass Michael Keaton? I, I don't yes. think. You know, got, sorry. Did he surpass? No.
0: Yeah.
1: Nobody, I, nobody
0: surpasses Michael
1: Keaton. He was in The Saint, but when you think of The Saint, do you think of Val Kilmer? Um, no. Alexander Red Planet. um I don't know. So I think he's got that one kind of iconic role in Top Gun and that's it. You know, The, the, the Doors,
0: he's obviously played, doors, he played yeah. Jim Morrison, but... but well, he, got, he got Oscar nominated for Tombstone, Stock Doc Holliday. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know he got the Oscar nomination. I don't don't think that um, uh, Dennis could, See, because Tombstone came out at the same time as, as Wyatt Earp. Okay. Um, and I prefer Kevin Costner's White Earp, as opposed to Kurt Russell's White Earp. But I prefer Fal Kilmer's Doc Holiday to Dennis Quaid's Doc Holiday. So it's like, if you can mix and match it, <laughs> you have a really good film. Um, I think The Doors, I think he was, like, he was destined to play Jim Morrison. Um, I like Oliver Stone films. I think I'm one of the few people that actually liked The Doors. I, don't, I think it was one of those films that everyone wanted to like at the time, just because it was cool. Um, but I genuinely did like it. I, I went back three times to see it. Being a three-hour movie, I went to see JFK seven times at the cinema. That was 21 hours of watching JFK in about two weeks. So yeah, um, but let's not forget it was Elvis and True Romance. So a lot, a lot of uh, cult people will go. Well, he played the best Elvis in uh, in any uh, thing. He starred in the dreadful, and I do mean dreadful. If you have rose-tinted spectacles about the George Lucas. Spectacular starring Warwick Davis that is Willow, and think, oh, it's got magical beasts in, and it's got Val Kilmer as a, as a rogue, and Joanne, Joanne Wally at the time. She met him on, on the set, but um, she, then she became Joanne Wally Kilmer. Uh, so they met on the set of Willow. We sat down and watched it, and I, and I went, Amy, you're going to love this. <laughs> and halfway through, she goes, Dad, what am I watching? This is awful. Um, she ended up watching it to the end. I felt embarrassed at the end. It's one of those few times where I've gone, "I'm really sorry. I thought it was better." <laughs> so you've got Willow in there. Um, let's not forget Heat. You know the bank heist scene. He's amazing in that.
1: But but in some ways that's the classic example, which is Heat is a brilliant film. Yeah, I would put it in my the action genre, if you can call it that. Top top ten, top five. You know, it's it's epic and watch and re- we can have a few drinks inside you rewatch it you can watch it kind of stone cold sober objectively and really enjoy it as well but and he is all right in that part of it you know he, he carries his role well but he's he's a peripheral character you know, he's, he's not the main reason people remember heat is he Val Kilmer I just kind of wondering yeah, it's for me sorry yeah sorry. he's yeah 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 and I and I think this probably cuts to the heart of why we've scored the film so very <laughs> because um for me, Val Kilmer's something of an imposter. In um, you know, he, he's he's kind of he's, he's a good-looking bloke. Maybe he gets away when he was younger with his, his cheekbones a little bit. And uh, but no, uh, I, d- I think he's inconsequential as an actor. I don't think I don't think there's a role, particularly if you look at
0: iconic '80s performances. Some of the Ice Man. So pal- people that look at Val Kilmer would go, "That's Iceman from Top Gun," mm-hmm. and he's <laughs> he's going to recreate the same character in the new Top Gun film.
1: I think if he is, if there is an exception, if there is one which you would give him the benefit of the doubt for it, it is Top Gun. Yeah, that, 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 yeah I'm, a, I'm on less firm ground when it comes there. But, but to say he's actually, you know, he's that's his one. I think standout role. The rest of it is a bit more interchangeable. Um, you know, he's had a very good career from it, but I think he is in that second or third tier of male leads from that era.
0: Yeah, and it's a bit. To, to be honest, it's a bit of a left field thing to put out to you. Because, um, spoiler alert, nobody nobody will know this apart from the two of us, is we were going to do Police Academy. And the reason why this was bumped up is because there's a new documentary coming out on Amazon Prime called Val, uh, which goes through um, his, you know, uh, his career, his life, his, you know, I mean, in certain ways, his, his personal life is far more, you know, uh, can be seen as far more entertaining than actually, you know, for, from an actor's point of view. Um, all the trials and tribulations i was i was going to do a little segment on it here and I, I i just think we're probably going to cover Kilmer too much but i would i would genuinely be interested um in you if you've got i'm sure you've got Amazon prime um in what in watching that and then when it comes out i think it comes out a week on friday um and genuinely just just seeing what you think of that i'm, I'm not sure it's going to change your mind but i think probably if you get an insight into the actual guy that won't change how you think about his portrayal of things on on film. Because, I mean, you know, to his his detriment, he took a part in Red Planet. You mentioned Red Planet. Uh, That killed his career. Uh, That that made him into, you know, you can always tell that at some point, and they all go through it, John Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, they all go through it, in which they star in Total Destruction, you know, with Bruce Willis and some unknown actors you've never heard of and it's and that's what happened red planet was a complete failure he thought it was going to be great I, d- I thought he was okay in it um, you know there was that mission to Mars came out on the same mission to Mars was a better film but since then it's just stuff you know he was the voice of kit in the Night Rider remake that was that was awful and he's in Top Gun Maverick and you just go and look back from the year 2000 and then go and look what he's in you know if he's if he's genuinely curious and he's come across this podcast and he's watching it on YouTube or he's listening to it on Spotify, we know of course. Running joke is that Robert Downey Junior is listening, always listening to our podcast. So hi, Robert Downey Junior. Uh, my daughter watched Endgame uh, for the first, for the first time. She finished and she genuinely cried at uh, Endgame. So thank you for creating a moment. Um, but yeah, I I just think it, it, he'd be the first to agree that. You Know
1: it just went off the rails, okay. Uh, Perhaps he does need a Bruce Willis style Quentin Tarantino reinvention to uh, you know, show a different side. But I will watch that documentary, cause I yeah, did, yeah. I, I thought he, I found him enigmatic, uh, you know, when I reflect on him. He's had a, he's had a good career, you know, particularly the earlier part of it. Um, but he's, has he ever really carried a film? Is he is he in that kind of top, top secret, of, yeah? No, top couple of tiers of acting, um, ability to get away with something like that. I, I yeah. feel not. And I, I think that's probably crucial to our... Um, crucial our, to our yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> get to come. it. But anyway,
0: right. that's the Val Kilmer segment over with. So rest easy, everyone. I'm sure we'll get to it when we, when we do that. Let's go through some of the others. Gabriel Jarrett plays Mitch, as you can see on the picture. Wait a minute. There. There. Up there. Um, we'll get to him and his acting <laughs> ability because... Uh,
1: the thing I've made I've about him is he was actually 15 in 1985. So, uh, <laughs> you know, most of the time, you get a 15 year old played by a 28 year old, don't you? But he was legitimately 15. And um, I-, I thought as I watched him, you could tell why normally people are older than the
0: character they play because, yeah, he was a little. little See, I didn't, re- I didn't research that. That makes me actually think he well, didn't do a bad job for 15. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I feel awful now. Okay. Well, anyway, only thing I can find of note that he did, and it will come up in trivia time, is in Karate Kid Part 3. It was the guy that Daniel Russo hit in the bar. There you go. <laughs> made it, made it, Ma. Top of the world.
1: I feel privileged to be actually on a pod with you where you discuss the film Karate Kid and call it Karate Kid because That's that... That's <laughs> having creased up when you've been discussing it with the manager in the past. So just, just for our listeners, because I, I know they'll be wanting to hear it again. Could you just remind me which of the films he's been in? Uh, yes, part the, part
0: three. Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it everyone else is wrong and when I'm, uh, I'm the person? Oh, just like wandering through the, you know, the desert and just saying to everyone, it's Karate Kid. Karate. Karate which is <laughs> what, is go- what is going on with people is all I can say. Um, Michelle Maynick, who played Jordan, loved, loved her, loved her, thought she was great. Um, she didn't do much, but she was in the seminal Revenge of the Nerds, which we'll get to at some point. Um, and she was also in Valley Girl, uh, uh, which I've been told to watch many, many times. Uh, and I haven't watched it. So apologies <laughs> to those. Anyway, we're going to get to our little quiz bit. Okay. William Atherton, Professor Hathaway, has two key roles in two key 80s films. What are they? Ah. Uh, uh, looks- I don't know if your viewers can see the bead of sweat that had appeared
1: because I thought it was going to be a little does he know for William Atherton, but I think I'm on firm ground when it comes okay. to it. His he's most iconic roles have got to be, uh, what well, obviously,
0: Ghostbusters. Yeah, and, right, okay. And Die Hard, yeah. Ah. So, yeah. Nah. Walter Peck and Richard Thornburg, yes, absolutely. And, and he's one of those guys that you think he must have done loads of films. So, if you've got a list of films in front of you, can you tell me any more apart from the poorly shore fronted Biodome, in which he played a similarly scumbag professor? I haven't got the list of films in front of
1: me. I did look at it, you know, I glanced at it on Wikipedia. And it, you know, in contrast to many of the others, he's um, had a, a decent career, hasn't he? I mean, yes, he's made a good living out just of it. Nothing anybody see, but yeah, a lot of TV and theatre as well. I think as well, rather than just film, isn't it? He's, you know, he's, um, you, know, a, 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 you know, frequently appearing in a lot of stuff all, all over time. But yeah, that that role that he plays in, he's in Die Hard One and Two, isn't he? One two, and Two, yeah, and, and Ghostbusters. It's it that a bit similar to this film. that... S- smarmy, selfish kind of a great, yeah but, but plays it really well and I just thought you
0: know the strongest actor in this by by quite some way Right, okay, I d- I think he plays an excellent part in it, I think he really does um, and then the last person on the uh, wrong call, uh, John, John Grease who pardon me, we've covered in another film that we've done on Rusted Junk um, and Running Scared he was one of the, the other two detectives in that uh it was uncle rico in napoleon dynamite uh he started again and kill me again uh with val kilmer So he did start with him again uh that was the film that um joanne wally kilmer and val kilmer decided to do together kind of like a a heist thing uh fright night part two he had in a series again apologies to our u.s listeners i haven't watched it the pretender um, I don't remember him in Lost, but I do try and blank that whole series out if I, if I try. It doesn't always work. It's the times why I wake up at three o'clock in the morning in, in a pool of sweat going, God, was it, did I really invest that much time in it? Um, and then he was in the US remake of The Bridge. Are we not gonna do the director as part of Roll Call? Well, take it away, Don, because she also directed Valley Girl.
1: She did, and that's, as you say, where the, um, the female actress, uh, Jord- Jordan, is that her name? Michelle Beenick, yeah. Yeah, was in it as well. Um, I did a bit of research, and she directed Rambling Rose, which was Oscar-nominated in 1991, which I honestly had not heard of. And is that a Diane
0: didn't... Keaton one?
1: It, yeah, it's a uh, Robert Duvall um, no. Academy Award nominations for Laura Dern and Diane Ladd, who... Oh, will know our um, actual real-life mother and daughter as well. So they both got nominated, well, one for uh, Best Actress, one for Best Supporting Actress. Neither won. So I thought, just like with Nightmare on Elm Street, where I managed to shoehorn a uh, Oscars reference in it, I thought I'd take you back, to the 1991 Oscars. So in the category of Best Actress, uh, Laura Dern, as I say, was nominated for Rambling Rose, playing the character of Rose, and she didn't win. Can you think of any... One else who may have been nominated in the 1991 Best Actress. Oh, that's
0: great! <laughs> this is good. Okay, uh,
1: I would say there are two height. There are two very prominent films from that time. and one which is your uh, Rusey Bonus if you manage
0: to get it. Uh, one from so in, in the actress, uh, forgot her name. She was in Dances with Wolves. No, no. Oh, that's one. I'll give you
1: the. I'll give you the. Uh,
0: Julia Roberts. Oh no, no! I'll give you the uh, film. Scott.
1: On. Well, well, one. Thelma and Louise both lead actresses got uh, nominated for best actress.
0: Okay, so Susan Sarandon
1: and um, Gina Davis. Well done, yeah! Congratulations, yeah! They neither of them won because they probably split the uh, judges. Uh, but to be <laughs> honest, the, the absolute standout performance in 1991 playing the character Clarice Starling. Oh, Jenny Foster in Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the more obscure one, the pointless answer on that whole here, was Bette Midler got nominated for playing Dixie Leonard in... in four. For the, the Boys.
0: One.
1: Yeah. Oh, see, I could have got that one if you could oh, OK, OK. Right. So, Perhaps Laura Dern for Rambling Rose was the most obscure. Um, we are now, if I thought that was obscure, we step down a level of difficulty. If you can get any of the actresses, characters or films for Best Supporting Actress, I'll be... Okay, um, if you give me the film? Can I have a chance? Right, we'll start. At the, we'll start at the top then—the one that won it. Okay, the Fisher King. Oh,
0: uh, so Jeff Bridges, Robin Williams. Oh, uh, don't know. Mercedes Ruel. Mercedes
1: Ruel, yeah. yeah um. So yeah, Dan Lad for Ram- in Rumbling Rose. Cape Fear. That's the next film. Oh, uh beat. Jessica
0: Jessica Low. No. Oh, uh then the the woman that he beats up. Oh, can't remember her
1: name. Ju- Juliet Lewis. Oh her
0: daughter. Right, okay.
1: Prince of Tides. Oh, i tell you, I am mean, making you I'm feeling bad now. Prince of Tides was Kate Melligan.
0: Yeah, okay. What about um, that one? Fried green tomatoes. Uh Kathy Bates. Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. This is there good. You. Maybe this should be the section. See, Amanda will listen to this and go, right, we need to test you. I uh, would say yeah, to you. My my get out of jail free card to save my embarrassment. Um would be there's there's a 90s Don. Sorry. True, true. Yeah.
1: I think, <laughs> and, um, I think uh yeah, my, my thing every time you invite me on the pod, which clearly won't be very many more occasions after giving this sort of three out of ten. I'm gonna shoehorn an Oscar's reference in there somehow. So Admittedly, with Police Academy, it would have been different. To, difficult to link that to the Oscars. But, well, uh, um, a
0: 1990 film where Laura Dern and Diane Ladd played mother and daughter. Yeah, that, that's the uh, 1990. 1990. So, give me the names again uh, Diane Ladd and Laura Dern. Uh, I'll give you a clue, it's got Nick Cage in it. Ah, uh, um, Nick Cage and Laura Dern.
1: Oh 1990. uh, My my timelines. um, David Lynch. Yeah. uh, Go on. Wild at Heart. Yeah.
0: yeah, Great film. Great film. Well.
1: Well, that's our our
0: credibility shot to pieces.
1: Excellent. Excellent.
0: Well, this is going to be the last podcast, so let's go for it. You know, let's let's do it. Um, Let's set the scene for for Real Genius. It opens with a mock-up video for a... Top secret project um, called Operation Crossbow that they need a working laser for. Um, The generals or the people, the shady people around the table, turn to William Atherton, Professor Hathaway, who has students researching it. Um, They go to the, uh, Professor Hathaway goes to the science fair where he meets Mitch, uh, the youngest, well not the youngest person to ever uh, join uh, MIT um oh sorry pacific tech um and invites him to come join the team and join the university uh i think at that point they get to the point where they meet chris knight what did you think of the opening i um is this where you're going to say that the, the effects look a bit dated
1: oh, yeah I, mean, I, I i wouldn't be too critical because of that uh you know i think that there are other areas where the lack of budget shows through a bit more, but um, I thought it was an interesting start. I wasn't quite sure which direction it was going to go in. I like that smoke-filled room where they're plotting their little conspiracy, um, and uh, I thought what was in hindsight one of the best lines of the film was in this opening section, which is uh, "I haven't had a working weapon in Korea." Yeah, I thought, I thought, that, I thought that. Uh, that that, that cracked a smile uh, as I sat away with my arms, otherwise folded. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, yes, I thought it was a good setup. And uh, then, as you say, you get to the school fair and there's um, Mitch Taylor, Child Prodigy.
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, who isn't the oldest person? The oldest person was Chris Knight, so Val Kilmer. But he's invited to go and work um, uh, with him. Um, Val Kilmer is going for an internship at the start. Um, and that's where he meets Sherry. Uh, we didn't do her in roll Call. Um, she didn't have, you know, a very prestigious career. It's Patty D'Arbonville uh, was her name. But I thought that was an odd... It's an odd... It, it, it gets introduced and then he's... You know, Val Kilmer's left with her and they're talking. And he's you know, you, you, know, uh, you are very beautiful, you know, and... Basically, she's she says that she's she shags the top minds in the country, um, <clears throat> and I always thought that line was a bit odd. Um, Professor Hofstadler, isn't he dead? And she goes, "Well, he is now." His insinuation is that they, he died during sex.
1: I thought, well, it, I, I thought it was a bit problematic. I'm not trying to sound kind of too right on about things. Um, this is somebody who oh, enjoys joined- the
0: easy <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah.
1: Revenge of the Nerds, School's Days—you know these are all great films. But um, I thought the film to say there was a female director was was terrible with women. You know, Jordan is really underused in the film. I think she's a good character. Oh, she I, agree. Be, I agree. And the only other fi- you know female woman of note in it is this one that you're talking about here, who just plays a kind of a a cougar figure, uh, yeah. really, one, really one-dimensional and thinly sketched. I thought I thought that was kind of you know a bit of a dynamic throughout the film, but. You know, we've got to talk about the way they introduced Val Kilmer's character here because I think it, it just set the tone for the rest of the film. So he's, he's dressed in a I love toxic waste, <laughs> and he's got dealey boppers. Is that what dilly they're
0: boppers, called? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I think I think what the uh, director's trying to signpost there, you know, by double underlining it and uh, having a caption above his head is Maverick <laughs> you know, doesn't play <laughs> by the rules. Um, right. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was um, for me. First scene to the last scene, that is you know, Val Kilmer in here. It's um, love it or, or loathe it, I guess, is this kind of over-the-top performance, which is okay. pretty interesting, really. A lot of physical kind of comedy in it, a lot of physical acting. Um, maybe arguably at the expense of, a, bit of a, a better written character, I thought. Well,
0: see, I'm picturing Dom now, who's watching this. He's got his, his arms folded like this. Um, they, they briefly unfold for a couple of lines in the smoke-filled room, and then they're firmly back on, <laughs> <laughs> they're firmly back on when falcon was on. It's almost I'm... like, see, see, this is this is a problem that I I, I can never judge. I, I I think I'm a poor judge of a poor judge of how how people react because I was felt sure that Mandy wouldn't like great outdoors, and she ended up liking the great outdoors. And Amy was laughing through it. And I thought, I don't think she's really getting it. I mean, I found when I watched it, Dan Aykroyd was very, I love Dan Aykroyd in everything, but I can imagine somebody watching it that doesn't like Dan Aykroyd, if that makes sense, and then going, I just don't get it. I, I can see that Val Kilmer might be, when he comes on, I thought Amanda was going to be, I don't, get, I don't get this, I don't get him. But I think she's watched Top Secret with me so many times that she'd never seen this, that maybe my, my love of Valkyrie would rub off on of her slightly, I don't
1: know. Maybe, but I just want to clarify for your listenership and your viewers that you know I, I do love 80s comedies. I oh, do, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah um, absolutely. I like Dan Aykroyd is a, is a legend. Uh, Trading Places is in my top 10 films. You know, uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. You know, but I like The Great Outdoors. Um, I thought, you know, Animal House, Teen Wolf, School Days, Weird Science, Revenge of the all the kind of films which are in some way associated or similar, have similarities to this film, Mm. Love them and would watch them and would all score highly if if I was doing it. So it's not the genre, and it's not, you know... People. Somebody says to me, let's have a few drinks and watch a kind of mid-80s comedy set in a university, you know, students against the system. You're absolutely set up, ready to watch it. So I I wasn't sitting with arms folded, I don't want to enjoy this. I was sitting there waiting for it uh, to enjoy it, but...
0: But I didn't, and uh, and we'll we'll kind of. I think we, we would, would have, have enjoyed it. police cat. I think you. I think you. We would have enjoyed police academy. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember because I, I think. I, I mean, we will do it. So I won't tell you what I think my school would be, but I just think. But it's good to 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 look at this because it's interesting to hear it from your perspective because it's 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 a very short podcast if we both agree, um, you know. But having said that, I think we both. Mandra and I both agreed on the Untouchables, and that was our third longest podcast, the longest podcast ever. Um Rocky Four, I think, was our longest one. So nightmare on Elm street might be up there, but it but it ain't Rocky Four um, in many ways. Um uh, so let's well let's let's move the story along because we will get to <laughs> we will get to that. Um he meets uh Chris Knight for the first time. Uh, he first sees Laszlo, uh, the guy, Laszlo Hollifeld, um who's in the picture there with the long hair, looking at the camera, um, who lives in the closet, basically. Um, I loved that. I, I mean, genuinely loved that when I first saw it. Um, he then talks to Chris Knight. He's unpacked. Uh, he says, I've unpacked everything but the sports coats. I've chucked them out. Um, reminded me a, a bit of my first day at secondary school um, my parents thought it was a good idea to dress me in a okay a long coat and a briefcase and, and i kind of felt like mitch a bit when i went into there because everyone's like pretty cool and ties you know around the wrong way and there's me all smart like am like an attache for, for a diplomatic service or something And i'm like yeah great thanks thanks Mum and dad um So, yeah, he meets the other people that are on the team. He's put, uh, Mitch is put in charge of the team because Bal Kilmer's character, Chris, is very all all over the place. Um, The one thing that I have the the issue with is when you're introduced to Hathaway, and I don't know if you saw this, the whole thing is supposed to be hush-hush. So he needs a laser that does five megawatts um, and is capable of firing from space. He hasn't told anybody this is this is what he's going to be using it for. So all these students are working on it. When the, when the uh dusty, dusty cigarette, you know, smoke-filled room comes to visit and is driving, you know, everything's gotta be secret. And he's building a house and doing renovations on a house that clearly his salary wouldn't be able to afford. And I might, it's a bit like when you all do a diamond heist and they go, right. The one thing like Goodfellas, let's say, what did they say in Goodfellas? Don't go out and spend the money, right? Because otherwise, it's a red flag. That to me was like, why are you having like nine people working on your house? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, they um, did you pick
1: yeah, he yeah, uh, had nine people working on the house. The, the, co- the smoke filled conference room had about 10 people sat around it, and yet his crack team to assemble the laser is. <laughs> three three background characters you know of dubious uh, dubious intelligence and Val Kilmer vec, dealy boppers and this 15 year old so yeah I, w- I wouldn't say the project's at a very healthy <laughs> stage but he, he rocks up and um and takes it and of course then there's the whole establishing his credentials as a as a teenage whiz kid because there's some problem which the um the character Kent declares will take a week to fix he tinkers with it for 5 seconds and it's
0: resolved and it has- he taps the laser. <laughs> Wait a minute, the 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 something's out.
1: I can't remember. And he taps it. Who knew? It's that easy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 we it, it builds his character. He's a fish out of water. Yeah. You know, he's, he's Charles Hunter in a trench coat with a attaché case. At, you know, <laughs> brief, brief a case. fish out of water. Yeah. But but he's obviously got the capability and talent to back it up. So that's that's him firmly established with the with the audience. Yeah. Absolutely. So the films, the so so far so predictable, and then we get to the um, indoor ice hockey or indoor ice. ice
0: ice rink, yeah.
1: Which, to be honest, the film predictable arc, jarring halt, and then what 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 do you make of this scene? Because I think this is a real differentiator. I mean, if you if you enjoy and likes that scene, you're going to like the movie. If you if you watch that I and mean, scratch
0: your head and think, what no. was that? Um, uh, Okay, well, I've got to, for the first time ever, uh, I've got to pull something from trivia time. Uh Ah, okay. With one notable exception, the antics of the film are based on stunts pulled off in Cambridge University uh, and Caltech. For example, the uh, the appearance of a student bedroom of an automobile with its motor still running, which is what they do to Kent's car later on, based on an actual incident, as was the the state-of-the-art seminar in which a tape recorder delivers a lecture to other tape recorders. The event, dubbed smart people on ice, which is what you're talking about, featuring the conversion of the Pacific Tech Dawn to a winter carnival, complete with skating, rink, and bobsled course by laying down a carpet of frozen volatile gas is similar to a prank staged annually at Caltech. There, the students take it even further using a circular stairway as a bobsled, bobsled run and then sealing up the doors and white water rafting through the dormitory corridors when the ice melts.
1: Uh, no, I did not know that. So it was based okay. on the yeah? Yeah. I, I thought it was plucked from the director's fever dream or something that <laughs> she uh, grounded
0: in reality, yeah? But it is, it is on Smart People on Ice where we first meet Jordan. And Jordan, I think, is... Can we talk about Jordan's character? Because um, you thought that she was underused. So, and I think she's a really strong character in this. When when she is
1: used, yeah, absolutely. I thought that you know, unlike the other uh, students who are really broad brush kind of portrayals and characteristics, you know, signposted a million miles off, she brings a you know a slightly different um, sense of humour, more quirky, more kind of. Um, uh, well, just different, and I felt it complemented the film rather than rather than jarred with it. So yeah, I definitely felt she was underused whenever she was in it um, and engaging with the uh, you know particularly the uh, Mitch Taylor, the younger lad character. I thought that was much more interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't it sound like a stuck record? But when the spotlight wasn't on um, Val Kilmer so much, I felt the film okay. Yeah.
0: More, yeah. more agreeable. Yeah. Uh, she was probably the smartest one in there. Despite the fact that she seemed to be working on, you know, design, uh, you know, she she just designed. She was the only one that did that bobsled run with a helmet on. So I was like, these guys are geniuses. Yeah, they don't know anything. <laughs> they're going down. They're going down on skis. Um, the people are going down it you know, with the books. They're not noticing. They're obviously slipping down there. It's very much a hazard, you know. So if they do do it at Caltech, I hope they practice sound uh sound health uh, environmental uh environmental health um, I, I
1: thought these sentences let, let, let the film down slightly though so you've got this and you've got subsequent ones which we'll get to in more detail but like the mm. uh party where they ship in the models from the beauty training college um and and you know look at them there's about six or seven people in the whole thing i just think the budget didn't stretch to uh to, to more to more supporting cast, so it's fairly sparsely populated. I thought for uh, for an event like this, yeah. Um,
0: so do you I, think the? I know we didn't. Um, my apologies, only, only because I don't think he, he 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 went into other into other areas. Um, the um, the actor with glasses here. Um, I thought he played. I, I don't think he was stereotypical, but I think he was. He could have been used more. Uh, Yeah, there was was a part of me that went, I'd like to have seen more of him um, from my point of view. I I love the bit where the next day, Chris Chris um Knight's character cuts the liquid nitrogen out of the freezer and uses it as, I love that bit. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, Because, you know, you're making a film about smart people and you're going to go, what would they do? How would they get around this? Well, they just mix some liquid nitrogen, it's pretty good. Um, So, Laszlo, we find out um, through Mitch getting very inquisitive, we find out that Laszlo, the guy living in the closet, is um, actually living in the steam tunnels uh, beneath the university. Now, I know it's the 80s, I know there are suspended disbelief. But even at the time, the very first time I watched it, even I thought, A, he goes up to, there's one point in which he goes to the closet seconds after he's gone. And yet when he finds a secret panel, which leads to a car, leads to a, a dodging car on rails, he, he, he finds that. There's no way that Laszlo could have done that. Second of all, have you ever been to a hotel and they put you next to the lift? Yeah, and how much sleep have you got (laughs) right and so nobody i don't mean nobody hears this this thing going on (coughs) pardon me (coughs) clattering around everywhere so yeah um i just thought it's a nice idea that he's living in the steam tunnels Uh, he's down there printing off all of these um uh, raffle sort of lottery entries uh, by entering the competition as much as, he, much as he can. That's that's his purpose, really.
1: Well, that, what, that's his purpose, really. That's interesting, because I'm not sure what his purpose in the film is, really. I, for me, kind of the character and the the subterranean steam tunnel bit where he lives and that, um, it just felt kind of tacked on, really. Like that was in a rewrite. Maybe they were running short on the film or maybe, you know, somebody else came in to add something to it. Because... The, the kind of subplot involving this guy is that he, you know, he, he got burnt out. He was, he was super bright, got burnt out, and then he now he spends his time entering competitions and you know scamming the, the the application of the rules to win a, yeah. Wins yeah. a vehicle and various products. But if he does he?
0: enter competitions, where's, where's all his winnings?
1: Yeah. Well, right, you know, spoiler alert and everything. But right at the end, when you know, the final scene is him driving off to live in the wilderness um, with that. The Sherry, yeah, Sherry that you mentioned earlier, and and if you kind of removed all of his scenes from the film, it wouldn't actually change the central plot at all. So I guess he's just like a, I don't know, a bit of comic relief. Well, also,
0: tells them that you've invented a laser to, to kill people, uh, that's, that's, and that seems to happened. be that. I mean, that scene is just uh, at no point was anyone sitting down and going, "Why are we? Why are we working on a five megawatt laser?" It's, it's almost like when, when somebody just even asks that question, they suddenly go, "Oh, whoa! Wait a minute." I mean, there are things that I nick from Val Kilmer. And I say all the time, "This is this is not good," right? Simply because I've just I, I grab things from the eighties and just end up being in my um, vocabulary. Um, but yeah, that's the first time somebody's asked him that. Laszlo, you've seen him working on this laser. Why have you never gone? I think it might be that. Why doesn't Laszlo hear Mitch coming on his, whoa? <laughs> why, why doesn't he hear that and go, I wonder who that is? And looks around. Um, exactly. What has he been doing since he'd been a hermit? If he's been entering competitions and this is his first one, how long has he been living down there? You're right. Sometimes you do need to challenge the absurdity of some of the things. Yeah. Ah.
1: It, it was uh, yeah. It was it was a comic departure, and uh, you know that that little sequence, implausible as it was, when he went through those tunnels,
0: I guess was uh, was entertaining. Yeah. So, but poor old Mitch is working so hard on the laser. To get back to the story, that um, Val Kilmer decides that he needs a bit of a break, despite the fact that Professor Hathaway is under from the from the uh, the shady guys to get this laser done. Um, he's expecting Mitch to work on this. Night and day, really, and not to take any sort of time off. Uh, Val Kilmer sets up a tanning invitational uh, where he converts the one of the uh, lecture halls or one of the big halls uh, into a swimming pool, uh, complete with water slide, complete with beauty beauty specialists or beauticians, trainee beauticians um, from the Wanda Trust School of Beauty. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to guess here that you had a problem with some of the,
1: please
0: don't eat that, it'll make your breast, it'll make your breast get bigger. Oh no, I'm too, too late. No no, 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 you know,
1: I'm perfectly up for a bit of smutting, uh, <laughs> you know, point, in fact, at one point I was, I did wonder to myself why the film was a 15 rated film, because, you know, the, you would have thought um, there would be some nudity, uh, partial nudity in there. Maybe some drug taking. You know, we've all seen these frat house party scenes tropes where people are doing all sorts of stuff like that—kegs, um, you know, drinking and driving, drugs, women with their large breasts out. But yeah. there was none of that in this. So I thought it could have quite easily been a been a twelve. Um, yeah. So, see so yes, yeah, so I don't know. As no, so, I so thought, the as I said earlier, I think the um, the scene was a little bit. Lap-luster. I just, I can imagine it being filmed and the director saying to the people in the background, just dance in the most 80s way you could possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's it must have just done that on, on repeat. Um, but yeah, you know, fair play. The uh, the nerdy character, Mitch, um, kind of starts to realise and, and show his affection for the, for Jordan. And there's a little kind of love, love interest
0: sparked there, which I thought was good. Didn't necessarily see that coming. Kind of, and the uh, I guess the the elephant the, that's in the room and everyone can see it is Mitch is fifteen, and yet everyone's going. You need to this uh, as Val Kilmer said. This might be because you're geeks. This might be the only time in your lives you, you get to have sex. So he's insinuating, Mitch. I put this on for you. I brought these beauticians here for you. Go and have sex, Mitch. You're fifteen. <laughs> when we get to the approach by Sherry, which we will do. Sherry, he's fifteen. You know, there's there's a lot in here. I, I love the romance um, with with him and Jordan, despite the fact he's fifteen, because it seems a bit more sort of sweet and innocent. But, but I don't
1: know. You know, when that that subsequent scene when is it Meredith tries to seduce him and he Jerry, yeah uh, yeah sorry and she and he declines it and then he approaches Jordan and tells her he's declined it because he he likes her yeah. I think, perhaps I'm misremembering it, but in that scene with the kind of cougar uh, elderly, uh, elderly, uh, more older woman, um, does she say something along the lines of she's been waiting for him until he's legal? So I, I didn't know yeah. if it's tried to imply yeah, that he had his 16th birthday whilst he was there or something, and now he was,
0: now it was legal. That's but a course, shout. Yeah, because she does say that.
1: Yeah, it wasn't completely clear, you know, perhaps it just happened in the background without being referenced in the film, but I thought, yeah, if he was still 15, it is quite problematic, because if it was some 15-year-old lass who was the genius and who was trying to get set up at some point, it wouldn't end up in comic japes, would it? It would end up with 12-year sentences and people signing registers for the rest of their lives and... um, yeah, maybe be a Ken Loach-style film or well, Oh, we'd be
0: in the uh, Roman Polanski territory. So, uh, yeah, let's 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 move really, really swiftly away from that. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Mitch has a hard time. He phones his mom, Kent, who's the the, the nasty guy who tells on everyone. Um, records his message to his mom and dad, where he's you know. He's genuinely feeling it. He's not happy. He's, the stress is really getting to him. Kent records it, plays it to everyone in the dining hall. I thought everyone's remarkably insensitive and everyone's just like laughing at that. Um, I'm sure if you did that these days, people will think that's a bit of a dick move and probably lynch the person who, who put it on there. So I think how times might have changed in that sense.
1: I, I do think it veered between the slapstick kind of pantomime-esque antics in certain places to yeah. severe and cruel like that prank would have been um, in, in in reality this kind of humiliating uh, call which which is broadcast to the whole canteen. I thought
0: was that a deliberate kind of juxtaposition. Well, it's a very strange it's a very strange thing that happens within five minutes of the film. Uh, Val Kilmer goes. Uh, sees what's happened, here's what's happened, because he's I don't think he's there. Um goes to Mitch and says, You need to get even with Kent, it's a moral imperative, and gets him to laugh. They dismantle Kent's car, as we pointed out, and they recreate and they put his car in his room. Um, ha ha ha. ha. Everyone thinks it's funny. We're not in five minutes to when Val Kilmer goes to Professor Hathaway's house and Hathaway says, You're no good to me, because I don't, you know, I you're off the project, you can't pass without me and I'm not going to pass you. And then Val was sitting, very doors esque I may say, right at the start of the Doors, where he's on the rooftop, Meg Ryan's on the rooftop. Um, I'm sure maybe that might be an. I know Oliver Stone does pinch now and again. I'm not saying Oliver Stone went back and go, yes, I think I'll go and watch Real Genius and make that scene. But the way that he was sitting, it very much seemed like the Meg Ryan where Jim Morrison climbs up onto the, the rooftop. And then Jim suddenly... It's Mitch going. Oh, you need to get even with Professor Hathaway. It's a moral
1: imperative. What? <laughs> so, it's it's interesting how you interpreted that scene because I I also wrote a character's name down against that scene, but un, unlike you, with Jim Morrison, the one I wrote was Peter Pan because that, right? that was the that was the imagery that I was getting to my head with um, Val Kilmer. Who does he remind me of in this film? It's like a it's like an annoying version of Peter Pan prancing around the place um combined with the kind of kind of most obnoxious jock that you remember from uh you know from from high school or, or your college days so yeah so one man's Jim Morrison is another man's Peter Pan I suppose that's uh, that's what it looked like to be perched on the end of the of the week of the ledge looking wistfully into the uh middle distance
0: yeah absolutely um so the next I think the next part of that is uh So uh, Chris, uh, what do you got it? Chris Light has now been told he's got to boot out. He takes the exam, um, writes on that. I love the bit where he hands the paper back to um, Hathaway and goes, I ace this. I'd love to have the confidence in order to to say, I mean, obviously the people that invigilate exams have got nothing to do with it. It's the art teacher who's invigilating the maths one. But I'd love if I was that confident to be able to say, um, thankfully my exams were dreadful the gcfc's ma levels were, were hideous so um, and then to give him the apple he then puts in the bin and then blows the bin up i do, I d- I do like that um, kent ends up sabotaging the laser so he's still working there he hasn't left despite the fact that he can't do it kent decides to sabotage the laser by putting some grease on one of the lasers um he goes to the exam. When he comes back from the exam, he fires the thing up. It malfunctions. It blows some of the things up. He gets back to the dorm, and Kent comes in and goes, oh, having a bit of trouble there, you know, and all this sort of thing about the, yeah, the laser. And he realises that he's done that and he really does need to get back at Kent. But in his frustration, he finds out what's wrong. He should be using ice for the laser rather than... Um, uh, rather than what they have been doing, um, and he finds Mitch at the party, brings Hathaway there. They 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 have this working laser. Um What did you think about? Did you like the when we talked about montages? Did you like the exam montages and things like that? Or?
1: I I do like a good montage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they yeah. they're kind of uh, they, they're great, aren't they? And they get rightly mocked for the likes of is it Family Guy and The Simpsons, you know, because they're a fairly lazy directorial tool, aren't they, to skip, uh, show, show progression and skip the passage of time. But they're fun as well, yes. I thought there were a couple of fun montages in this film. I'll tell you what could have done with being a montage and wasn't. How, how many instances in this film are there of Professor Hathaway getting hassled by the man or the men from the um, shadowy CIA? About five times. Yeah. Yes, about five you know, times. You watch it and you think, wait a minute, <laughs> I've seen this before. That, that could have done with being a montage. Then, like. Yeah. Just
0: walk up. Can- is it done yet? Have you done it yet? Brilliant, <laughs> yeah. really
1: I get it. Yeah.
0: Um, but you'd miss you'd miss a classic with William, William Atherton bit, where he's at the desk and he's being hassled, and he just gets up and he goes, "Now you listen to me." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa!" I wouldn't be pointing my finger at the guy that liquidated, uh, liquidated the guy who left the room at the start. And said I have moral objections to this project. Yes, you never saw him again. Um,
1: the um, the other bit that you kind of skipped over is. In your excellent, um, what's the right word, jingle, is that it, for this pod? You have a quote from this
0: film in that, don't you? Um, uh, that was it, season one. Um, oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Down, in, down in season one, we were putting together um, some of them. I'm, I'm happy and sad. Uh, um, I passed and I failed. I passed and I failed Well, while. I'm happy and sad for you. That's, yeah. that's where he gets to Laszlo, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so you know, when I when I heard that in this film and it and it I didn't realise it you'd dropped it subsequently, but yeah, that uh, that made me smile in recognition. So Aww. yeah. yeah. I cool.
0: said that to I said that to Amanda afterwards, and I went, what about what
1: about what he's just said? She goes, Yeah, it's a bit funny. I went, <laughs> Great, excellent. That's why she's not involved in the editing, I suppose. That, that's when I started to get the sinking <laughs> feeling. As soon as I heard that, I, I I got the reference, I enjoyed it, smiled to myself, and I thought, oh drat, shall we say? I really uh, uh, love like <laughs> this film, doesn't he? I
0: feel terrible. <laughs> well, it's all right. Well, we, we we just got the last we just got the last bit to go. But um, they fired the the, the the thing. I have the problem is they fire the laser, and they know that the laser works, and it hits through the the walls, through the statues, all the way to the nearby town where the it hits the bar it hits the advert It hits the bar they then decide to celebrate by going to the same bar now if i owned the bar i'd be going are you <laughs> are you the kids from the uh are you the pesky kids from the uh, pacific tech yeah did you just invent a laser yeah yeah we're here to celebrate yeah you owe me a thousand thousand bucks yeah. By the way, the police are on their way. Exactly. The yes. They're exactly the where you are.
1: Destroyed and, and lives that have been lost. Has that just uh cut through the street, Yeah. That's said there wasn't a bus, a bus queue of old grannies on the way to collect their pension because they're. Living. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, anybody, anybody just walking past, taking the dog for a walk, is like great. Um. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna think that one of the half points that you gave it must be because they need to find out where the laser is, they decide that the only person that knows where it is, is Kent, because he's so close to Professor Hathaway. And they gas him and they put a, a, a microphone, an amplifier, like mini microphone amplifier in his tooth, in his braces, um, which serves as a uh, an antenna as like a conduit. Come on, man. Come on, at least I, you've got to give this.
1: I thought this is where the film picked up when it had more of a plot to deal with you know it was kind of this strangely meandering film up to this point but yeah once they kind of find the laser Laszlo has this moment of clarity when he figures out what's going on and they um, and then they execute this you know zany mission to, uh, to, to right the wrong um, which starts with that scene you just referred to I did think it picked up a bit of pace and direction and momentum so yeah I, I enjoyed the, the second half and the ending more um, yeah I, I thought it
0: was funny and Ken, that, and it has one of the best lines in it, where, where he goes, "Stop playing, <laughs> Ken! Stop playing with yourself." And He just looks up. It is God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that, that did raise a chuckle.
0: I agree. Absolutely. So, um, Jordan, they get into. There's no way to describe it. I mean, if if Amanda was here, it'd be all alert. And she even pointed it out when she watched the film. Um, so I have to acknowledge that she, she would have said this. They managed to get fake IDs. They they follow Professor Hathaway to Marsh Air Force Base. So they know that it's there. They managed to get in. Um they 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 get in through these fake IDs and walk onto this live project. Now um Don, you work, you, we both work in information security, you at a uh, a, a far greater responsibility, but we both know the basics and the basics is if you don't recognise someone um, in a very cl- close-knit team it'd be like having a morning team meeting and then two two people sat there going, don't mind us <laughs> you'd be like and you are? There's this plane and they're walking around they're telling people to leave the plane, what are you looking at? and you're like is nobody gonna call is nobody gonna call someone? Yeah, do you, do you not think it's Mitch Taylor's
1: um slightly haphazardly applied mistakes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, body. yeah. I think if I saw somebody like that coming towards me, I might give my wife birth. But I was I wasn't sure if it was the um social engineering of the the, you know, the the two soldiers after all who are guarding this base who just get talked into letting them in or it was the um <laughs> manually performed dictionary attack that they're doing against the passwords which if you look at the screen he's got he's tried a a a five or six times letter e yeah
0: yeah yeah good shout
1: the letter f unsuccessful so the premise is he's sitting there typing them next one <laughs> <laughs> so it should do a montage which then takes the next 36,000 years, which it takes him to actually crack it at that rate. Um, but we knew t- it was SS52169. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as long as there's no special characters in there, we'll get there eventually. Some <laughs> yeah, the, the may be a burnt out husk by that point, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, information security matters. Uh, I,
0: I score it a zero. Uh, OK, well, I'm glad we both agree on that one. Um, they... What they're trying to do is they're trying to take a chip out and change the telemetry because they've got a plan in place. Um, they, they've they're going to target Professor Hathaway's house rather than because they've left something in there. They want Kent to be there, so they all arrange everything in order to make sure it happens. Uh, they connect the modem. The one thing I understand is all that tech that they took in there in order to connect, they just basically had to abandon it. Now. I know that DNA wasn't a thing at the time. Um, you know, only came in after OJ and, you know, all of that sort of stuff.
1: Probably just as well for that pool party, really. If, we, you know, if we <laughs> um, yeah.
0: But fingerprints were definitely a thing. Um, and no one was wearing gloves. So I went to bet the plane lands, and the military go, who did this? Sweep this plane for prints. And, and next thing you know, so... I think you have to conclude that everybody that was on the plane ends up in, languishing in a military jail for the rest of their life.
1: Well, they've certainly got a rap sheet that they can um, you know, <laughs> be a bit worried about. The squandering of billions, the shadowy projects, the uh, open and obvious, th- obvious
0: fraud. The but, that- and then the university goes, get behind me. They've <laughs> just 30 grams worth of text just gone off in smoke. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> we, we, we've lost it. Anyway, um, Kent. Kent walks to Professor Hathaway's house. This is the bit. They're all sat there. They've invited the congressman and one of the professors to witness what's happening here.
1: The congressman, who who I don't believe has been seen in the film up to this point. No, he hasn't. No. He's just been told to rock up at this house in the early morning, seven o'clock in the
0: morning on the basis there's a national security thing. So let's fast fast forward to today. (laughs) Yes. Hello. I'm your MP. (laughs) Is is there any chance you could get get up in the morning and come next to this building? Make sure you're wearing a suit and tie as well. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> you've got to get up two hours earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but what happens is they go, "Oh, Kent, duck, duck!" Everyone. By that time, Kent's walked past them. He's probably acknowledged them about fifteen times because they're all on the other side of the road. But they duck once he's passed. And that I, I, I'm get annoyed about things like that because I just think, even despite the film. That you, you should actually be able to get that. What they put in the house is a giant um, foam, uh, sorry, foil packet, which you don't know what's in there. But when the laser gets misfired, uh, redirected to the house, you find out that, that it's uh, going to heat up a large amount of popcorn um, and fill this house full of popcorn. Uh, now we are going to get to trivia time in a minute, where I'm going to talk about the popcorn. When you hear the, the, the amount of effort that went in to filling that, does it pay off? Do, do, does, I mean, you don't know the amount of effort. I'm going to tell
1: you it's a lot. Well, I've been trying to keep my notes desperately out of shot here, but yeah. I'm going to refer to my notes here. What, what have I written on trivia? Ah, two, two surprises for me. Both filed under the why on earth did they bother? Traps <laughs> the time <laughs> on script, set design, casting, etc., and one of those is the popcorn. I won't steal your thunder. You, you tell us all about it, but I, I encourage anyone listening to this to have in the back of mind
0: why, you <laughs> know. Um, yeah. Well, Still. well, yeah. I mean, from from the popcorn, I mean, the, it's worth talking about now because it is the end of the film. So it's there and, you know, you got all the kids playing in popcorn you know, and there's a, there's a lot of things that are wrong with that. But in order, they, they ordered the pop. This is the trivia bit, so let's let's do it. And then I'd be I, I'd want to hear open. the popcorn trick sequence began with the construction of a full size Victorian frame house on a plot in Sand Canyon, California. Within the house, special effects coordinator Phil Corey and his crew devised an elaborate network of conveyor belts. Hydraulic lifts, air blowers and vacuum hoses, which would, on cue, turn 190,000 pounds of popcorn into a hot butter tornado, blowing out the windows, doors and roof of the structure. To film the carnage, he positioned five cameras around the building in classic, anytime you're ready, CB tradition, including one on a 300 foot crane. At the Hollywood Centre Studios, a two level set was constructed. On one level, was built the interior dimension. Um, the lo- I mean, it just goes on. But the crew built six air poppers, each 10 feet high, capable of popping 2,400 pounds of corn an hour. Made of sheet metal and heated by propane gas, the poppers fed the tank through the pressure of the popping corn itself and a system of air blows. But basically, if the- it was equipped that they got a deal on it. There was £1,800,000 worth of popcorn. In 1985's prices, yeah. At retail, the cost would have been there. But they said, because we ordered so much of it, um, you know, we received a substantial discount. A substantial discount would be 50%. £900,000 worth of popcorn for that one shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, what, now what do you In today's money, three three million, oh. $3 million? Yeah, yeah. True, but the effect was supposed to be that it blows out the window. Right? Which happens. You could do that just on a local thing. If you wanted to put popcorn filling up a window, you put a glass bit behind the window and you drop popcorn into it. You don't need to fill up the entire cubic feet of the house <laughs> to achieve that shot. Um they had to cover the pot, they had to have the popcorn that they generated because they they still had they couldn't do it all in one go. They had to continuously have this, and the security, they had to coat the popcorn in something, uh, in a um, a resin. This isn't on the Trivia Time. I, I, I knew this anyway. It was a resin that made it look like fresh popcorn, and it didn't shrink and deteriorate. And they had to have security guards guard the popcorn so that birds wouldn't take it, because if birds ate it, they'd die. Now, you think to that final scene where the kids are all playing on the popcorn. If any popcorn gets into those, if the kids even remotely get into it, they're, they're sitting on a bed of chemicals. So, yeah.
1: I, th- I think the whole thing is absurd. It? <laughs> yeah. what, at what point?
0: After all that, yes, you're right. That's how to sum it up. Why did
1: nobody intervene when the director spilled out her vision for this? We're going to build a a full scale house in the desert. We're gonna, we're gonna take we're gonna spend 1.8 million dollars, you
0: know, on on this. But no, they've got a deal. We're gonna spend 900000 dollars It's not gonna be edible.
1: And then we're gonna have children playing around in it. And you know, we're, we're gonna do something which could be easily achieved via a special effect, you know, in a a tenth of the time and the a at a, a thousandth of the cost. Um yeah, I just thought it was uh Bizarre, maybe they had some money left over from the budget at the end. Maybe they blew the budget at the start and that's why everything else looks like it's done on top of the table. Yeah, what what a strange end to the film, I thought. It is,
0: it is. I mean, it's a good, it's a good shot, it's a good premise, but it's not worth that. Thanks for for thinking of the, the viewer, but it's not worth that. Um, do, you know what, do you know what else isn't worth that as well? I'll let, oh, I'll, I'll, I was going to say, what's I'll, number two on your list?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I haven't done proper trivia time research to the level you have, but I did have a quick look at Wikipedia, which is uh, you know basically the the gist of most of my career and <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> to, to prepare for real genius, Martha Coolidge, the director, spent months researching laser technology and the policies of the CIA and interviewed dozens of students at Caltech. Yeah? So I'll just right. repeat that. Months researching laser technology yeah, and the policies of the CIA. Interviewed dozens of students, so let's say that's forty-eight students here. Yeah. Right. For what purpose? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? In a, in a in a kind of college set, you know, uh, comedy of this nature. At what point did the months of research pay off? <laughs> the lasers. Surely all we need is some, you know, cylindrical metal things pointing at each other. You can't tell <laughs> me that that hole that was punched through the wall and ended up in the bar where they subsequently went drinking was somehow based on real science. So I'm just wondering... Does it say why she did
0: it? I I, I didn't see this
1: bit. Then, I mean, oh, oh, this, this is all real-life preparation that she did. So presumably there was some authenticity in the lab scenes. But, you know, the lab scenes were all just um, Val Kilmer doing the cha-cha-cha with, uh, <laughs> with your old buddy or, or, or they were just goofing off. So, yeah, I just wondered... Does she on reflection was that months of research did it really pay dividends to the film somehow? (laughs) Well, (laughs) did she
0: at one point go, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, laser wouldn't fire in that way, it would, yeah, well, maybe. I mean, you know, we have we have drifted into trivia time, so I guess I'll I'll shove the jingle in somewhere, it's fine, we'll, we'll be able to do it, but um, the only other thing I well. The only other thing I had, because obviously I I put some of them in there. For the Tanning Invitational, um, the production movement moved to the Veterans Administration Hospital. Um, They explained, the producer said, we needed an auditorium which could rig a swimming pool. The theatre, the VA hospital had an orchestra pit, which was perfect for it. Fresh from two weeks in cold storage, the production crew now proceeded to flood the orchestra pit and create a, a tropic atoll on the stage above it, including in the effort, were several hundred cubic yards of sand, an oasis of palm trees and lush foliage, a pump-operated waterfall, two small water slides, and a giant aquatic slalom fashioned from the emergency suite of the 747. Now, I think that fits in perfectly with what you just said. Why? I mean, it's, it seems like a... And don't get me wrong. I'm not. This isn't me. I mean, it's still an A because simply because of the nostalgia and everything else. But you like thinking it, it's a good scene. It's a good scene that they've gone to all this effort just for Mitch to make him feel you know a little bit better. But wow, there, there are easier ways to. I think there are easier ways to do this. So, <laughs> yeah. No,
1: absolutely. It's. Um... Yeah, needlessly complex and bespoke approach to filmmaking. But this is,
0: but if we were doing Police Academy, I would have said in Trivia Time, oh, uh, the writers of Police Academy went on to do Real Genius, which we'll cover at at, at certain. So, you know, they're they're still the same writers. Um, To finish Trivia Time, I do have one more. Uh, I do have two more. Uh, Val Kilmer has seen playing and rolling coins up and down his knuckles. Um, he also does this in Iceman and Top Gun um, and with Poker Chips and Tombstone, where he plays Doc Holiday. It just seems to be a Val Kilmerish ish type of thing. Um, another of the wide-eyed... Oh, this is where I feel bad. The, uh, the guy in the glasses in my picture. Oh, sack, sack the researcher. Another of the wide-eyed students at the Beauticians Party is actor Yuki Okamoto. Who had more screen time as Daniel Russo's nemesis in Karate Kid Part Two? <laughs> I feel awful there.
1: Um, ah, well, yeah, we've got a gap in our roll call. Then. No, wait a
0: minute, yeah. And as he was the, he was also in Better Off Dead, which we'll be covering, I think, in the next one. If not the next one, then the one after. But in keeping with the Karate Kid theme, Mitch appears in Karate Kid Three as the guy Daniel punches out. So. We've got more more chance for you to laugh at the fact that I pronounce it karate, even though I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. This is the second time it's come up. Right? Anybody leaves a comment on YouTube and says that I'm wrong or anybody says that I'm right? You write to us at Rusted J Pod. Look for us on Facebook.
1: Whatever. We need, we need a poll. That, that's what. That's the way to gain uh, interaction with your listeners. You have a you have a poll, so you can put one. can okay. Spell it phonetically. Is it is it pronounced Kratty? Yeah. <laughs> no, just, I don't think I say it
0: like that, but yeah. Kratty kid, or is it Karate Kid? Is it, <laughs> or is it? Uh, <laughs> I am <laughs> I'm I'm glad of the source of amusement for for, for not only you live, but uh, but yes, I'm sure when you listen back to it, you can chuckle away to your heart's content. Um, Real genius, there we go. You would have, uh, aka, next time can we do Police Academy? Or next time can we
1: do... I think the beauty of this podcast isn't that they're all stone-cold classics. Uh, You know, discussion and the debate, isn't it, about the the film? (laughs) What to me is, at best, a run-of-the-mill teen revenge comedy, you know, to you is a
0: source of years of pleasure. (laughs) 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 Misty-eyed nostalgia, yes. Absolutely. Um, We would have done, if we were doing horror, one of the films in contention would be Poltergeist. Mm. Um, And I love Poltergeist, but I'm listening to, there's a podcast that I listen to called Um, uh, Their criteria, I think I've discussed this on a podcast, um, is... How many wipes it would take to remove the film from your butt. <laughs> okay. And they mark it out of halves, like one and a half and three and a half. Um, and they're doing poltergeist. So I swim every morning um, and I listen to whatever podcast is on there. And they're doing poltergeist. They're not kind to poltergeist. And I'm kind of like, I think we would, I think we would do that justice. So if not the next one, the one after. Um, because you are always more than welcome to come on, just you know. Despite the three, I, I can see why there, because it makes sense. Um, I I'm I can't change my score. Right? It feels like, you know, just when just when they think I'm out, they pull me back in. Um, I'm with this. I'm with this. But am
1: I am I now back in my horror lane? Am
0: I? That's it. Do you, want, do you want to do? Yeah, we'll do horror and then we'll do. Well, I don't know what the, the, the we have discussed the uh, your suggestion on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and it's Amanda's choice next. She does like the idea of 80s films, especially when she heard you say educating Rita and things like that. So, you yeah. know, I mean, that might be surprised. surprise. If it isn't, then I, then maybe I'll take it. So, because I think we're going to do... There's, We've there's still got films that we want to cover here. Again, Summer School, Better Off Dead. Uh, again, I can't get to a podcast without mentioning it, but I have to. Uh, I've got the 4K... Uh, disc of Howard the Duck that's uh, ready to go. That is uh, oven ready. If you don't mind the duck reference.
1: Well, uh, I'll, I'll come back whenever I'm invited. But I, uh, there's nothing I enjoy more each week or every fortnight than listening to you and Amanda discussing films. So.
0: Well, uh, you are always welcome, man. On this, as I say, we've been good friends for many, many, many years there. So, uh, I look forward to having that drink with you in, pub- you know, in person, in public, in public and in person. <laughs> um, at, at some point, but yeah, thanks for thanks for that. I mean, I I feel like I owe an apology for putting you through it, but do you know what? At least you have seen it now, and you never have to watch it again.
1: I've enjoyed myself. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>
0: nice one. So, what's going to be your sign off? So I'm going to say, you, you, um, I always get the second to last sign off uh, when Amy's there. I'm third to last sign off. But
1: well, yeah, finally, I mean, Charles, if, if there's an opportunity to be pretentious, I'll take it. So I'll say, uh, I'll um, say.
0: Au revoir. I'm first. Oh, oh. I, I, Sorry, I was no. going to say, cheerio. Au revoir. Yeah, what's pretentious. <laughs>